Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. had some joints uh and then and then my wife i went out of town and my wife hid my joints so that our sons would not find the joints and when i was looking for my fancy tape recorder it, i keep it in this case i was like something smells like joints and it was this is where she hid the joints and forgot that she hid my joints i found my joints all right Yay! Everything. This is. Oh my god! See, this is such a happy reason to to do a podcast now. That's that's worth the price of admission, right, right there. Thank God your sons don't want a podcast. <laughs> Let's put this where the where the podcasting machines are. They'll never find. You know, one time, one time, my son, um, yeah. his room was in the front of the house. And yeah. it was a, it's an old house. And like the mail slot would come through into like a cabinet built in in his room. So, you know, like you could you had everybody had to go into his room to get the, the mail. And he and his boyfriend are laying in bed one morning. And I just kind of poke my head in because they're asleep to to get the mail. Yeah. And right in front of where the ma- where the mail slot is, is a gigantic bag of weed. Like, it, like it looked like a half ounce to me, and I just was like, pre- and I, he was awake, and I was like, just pretend to be intimidated by me, pretend to be afraid of me, you know, like don't leave it in the only place in the room where I have to go, you know. Yeah, but isn't it better than secrets? Isn't oh, it better oh to God. be oh, yeah, able yeah, yeah. to? I'm just yeah. kidding. Absolutely. I, I yeah. mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah, no, and I mean also too, uh, my parents. My parents, you know, they, they, they were, they didn't impose hypocrisy, you know. So it's like, yeah, my parents drank like fish. Like when they were teenagers, they drank cocktails. <laughs> they didn't drink beer. They were drinking like Manhattans and Rob yeah. Roy's and shit. I don't even know how to make. <laughs> and there, and so like when we, when my brother and I got, they're like, yeah, drink beer. Just you know, be careful. If your friends are too drunk, they can't go home. You know. Yeah. That kind of thing. So. Yeah. All right, on a podcast. Hi, it's great to see you. Thank you. Does it bother you that I'm like unshowered? No, not at all. I can't see it. It doesn't matter because really this is about the audio. No one's ever going to see my bed head. No, no, no. I make the bed just for you. Like the bed that's behind me, I made it for you. Not (laughs) for the, I don't care about these people. They're not going to see this. Are we already recording? Because yeah, I yeah, feel this like is, okay, this is the I'm podcast. way behind. Okay, now I'm I'm recording now, so I'm also recording our podcast. All right, as we a got backup. the first part covered. This is yeah. Uh, I'm talking to Jack Black. If you haven't figured it out already, this is the three questions. 
which I, this is the thing is like, why does anyone pro, you know, like intro their podcast? People know it's not like you stumbled on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no randomly stumbling on a podcast. So anyway, people know it's three questions. It's Jack Black. And uh, all right, tell me about your COVID because I'll tell you about my COVID. I'll tell you, I, uh, I got the COVID uh, a few months ago. And it was perfect timing, actually, because uh, and where did I get it? Where did I suspect that I got it? It just was really mysterious. I don't know how or who gave it to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I went down hard. It was just like a nasty flu cold. Yeah. And uh, I was down uh, in my man cave feeling sick, but thinking, I think this is just a flu or just a bad cold. I don't think it's COVID because I tested negative on the, on the, it, when I first felt symptoms. Yeah. But then I was like, just to be safe, I'm going to test again. And that next test was, uh, was two shiny red lines. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to stay down here. Luckily, you know, we have a basement. I have my man cave den. Um, I don't know what people do if they're living in, you know, uh, a place without a separate, you know, yeah. place to, to go. Uh, so I actually weirdly enjoyed my, my COVID times because even though I was kind of sick, I got to sleep is the main one is I got to sleep as much as I wanted mm -hmm. during my isolation, which is a, such a special luxury that and I don't also, enjoy. It's also the main thing you can do to get better. Like it's the yep. best thing to do to get better. It's just, yep. and that's what I did. I, if I felt like sleeping, I slept, I slept like 12 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would actually force myself to get sleep by taking, you know, over the counter, like Theraflu and uh -huh. yeah, uh, it would yeah. give me a little extra snoozleberry pie. Yeah. Right. Just have and a bottle of NyQuil. Good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. That's what the kids do, right? You That's take a little NyQuil, you mix it yeah. with a little uh, schnapps, and then mm -hmm. you can go out on the town. COVID, <laughs> man. No. <laughs> I kept it safe underground. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I just uh, snoozed, and I watched whatever I wanted. I, I got caught up on, on a few shows that I had fallen behind. Because now there's so many shows that yeah. I hear are great. I haven't watched any of them. Who's got time to watch shows? I know. And also, too, and then I can't remember them. I'm like, I, I actually have written down some, like kept a list, like like shows are fucking homework now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I can remember because there's so many times when I'm like, OK, I don't have anything to watch. Let's watch. Oh, yeah. What was that one with the guy about the murder? And then I don't remember <laughs> what it is. I don't know where it yeah. is, you know? Yeah, and people how, how tell me about new shows that I need to watch, and I'm, I nod my head like, ooh, that sounds like a good one. But right. in my mind, I know I'm never going to watch that show. Right, right. absolutely. Um, but, how, so, how, yeah, many COVID. Day, how many days were you down in the, in the basement? Ten days. Wow. I mean, truth be Did told. Did you see daylight my, at all? Oh, yeah, no, I would sneak out. I would sneak out and get a little sunshine and, um, yeah. and fresh air. Every day, I think it's actually important. You got to get that. You got to get that sunshine and, and fresh air. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, steered clear. L let everyone know that I was coming and the coast was clear. And then I would come out, you know, COVID man, um, carrying a, a full viral load. <laughs> but after about five days, just between you and me, I was starting to feel pretty good. And I was like, yeah. you know, I think I'm, 
I'm probably no longer contagious, but just to be safe, I'm going to stay in my awesome man cave and watch, you know, all the back seasons of um, Better Call Saul. Right. And uh, what else did I watch? I watched some rad things. I I just enjoyed. Yeah. I'd like to get it more often. <laughs> Check out this uh, uh, Andy Warhol Diaries show on Netflix. <laughs> okay. It's a series, and it just, like, gives you the the inside scoop on Andy Warhol's genius and just a strange creature of this universe that uh, that needs to be studied. Yeah. See, that— I've I, been enjoying that. I'll watch that one. I just, I just started last night. Um, I think it's an FX series, Jeff Bridges, called The Old Man. And oh yeah, I heard that was great. It's really, it's. I mean, it's like when I heard, well, I I'd heard about it, and like, first of all, the name is off-putting. Like, eh, aren't there enough fucking old men? And then, <laughs> and then, but then I find out it's like about, and it's just like that perfect thing of like he's a CIA like mega killer. Oh no, been, you know who's who like got out of the game and has been hiding, but they come for him. So he has to fight back. So it's like such like right up the alley. And I guess I'm like getting into the demographic of like, you know, old white man revenge fantasy. Like that you can sit home and like, a lot of people have fucked me over too. I wish I was a ninja, you know? And, uh, but it's so, it's, it's really good. I mean, and there is like a, just a lot of that. Kind of, I mean, just, I will never not watch things about, you know, that are like, you know, I have a particular set of skills, like that kind of thing. <laughs> the Liam that shit, Neeson. I, that shit is always like, oh my God, to have a particular set of skills would be so awesome. <laughs> but the thing that drives me crazy, and it started a few movies ago, I don't know what, and he's so good, but Jeff Bridges now in everything Sounds like he has having problems with his dental work. <laughs> oh, you God. notice that? It's like, oh, like it's yeah. tongue and aura. Yes. And like in that, it was an awesome version of um, the Rooster Coburn, the Western with yeah. Matt Damon. I can't, I'm, I can't think of the You're name talking of it. about, wait, you're talking about, uh, wait, was this? The remake the, of the John Wayne, Glenn Campbell. Yes. You know. And it's called Tim Larry. <laughs> no, well, people know. Uh, no, True yeah. Grit. True Grit. Thank you. It's True called Grit. True Grit. I he's knew there was so, a T. He's so fucking great in that, but he sounds like he has three lozenges in his mouth the entire time. <laughs> well, the whole time so... on that one, you're thinking, this is a character choice. He's choosing to talk. But then three movies later, you're like, oh, like, wait, it's he's, not yeah, a choice. He just he's just got, got this... Marble Mouth McClanahan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when yeah. did he get Marble yeah. Mouth McClanahan? Stella Marble Mouth Adler School. Somewhere yeah. right before True Grit. I know, it's weird. He was afflicted. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I think it might, uh, have something to do with, uh, uh, no, I actually don't say, I'm not going to say <laughs> what it might, I'm not going to make a joke about the marble mouth. Cause any minute now I'm going to have marble mouth McClanahan disease as well. I hope not, I hope uh, but I do love me some Jeff Bridges. Oh, and at the end of the day, it goes back to the dude Yeah. in, uh, 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 whatchamacallit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Big Lebowski. Thank oh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god! I thought your internet froze, but you just froze so quickly. No, I was having a, an extreme case of brain fog. Yeah, yeah. This episode should be called Three Questions in the Fog." <laughs> well, I loved him too, all the way back to uh, that. Uh, was it Thunderball and Lightfoot, or Thunderbolt <laughs> and Lightfoot? You know that. Bank I didn't see heist that one. Move? It's like a him and Clint Eastwood on a bank heist movie. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and he. But he's like really young, and uh, uh, spoiler alert: he dies of like a terrible brain injury. Uh, but he was that plays- before Tron? Yes, yes, yeah. It was Dang, like early seventies. Yeah, because me, that was it before felt like Starman, and you know, I think Tron. Wait, Tron was before Starman, though, right? I don't know. It was around the same time. Starman, he crushed Starman. Yeah, he was just an alien without any real emotions or anything. Right. But it was so emotional. I, I remember just bawling at Starman. Yeah. Because he was such a kind creature from another part of the galaxy. Yeah. And who can't relate to that? All right. Tron dude, was no, 82. I can't, yeah. Tron was 82 and Starman was 84. You were right. Yeah. Tron correct, was prior. No. Yeah. I know that because I can trace it back to my gaming days in 82 at Westworld when I needed to play that Tron video game as well as Discs of Tron. I was oh, all about that in my youth. Discs of Tron, yeah. That was like the souped up Tron video game. Well, how but are you these days? Let's I could talk about podcast. Jeff Bridges the whole hour. <laughs> I could because I marvel at his powers and his genius. Yeah, he but is yeah, amazing. Um, I'm doing well. I'm in a I'm in a pretty good space in my life right now. Um, I'm enjoying listening to audiobooks. That's my new jam. Yeah, me too. I've been listening too. Because I do not all the about, time. about reading, but I uh but th- then I do feel like, well, I'm listening to a book and isn't that sort of like reading? I mean, isn't it? Isn't I'm going to say it's 100% reading. Okay, even though my son says you're not reading. I was like, I just read a book. He said, "Did you read it or did you listen to it?" I said, "I listened to it." Then you didn't read it. And I was like, "You know, this technicality, here's what we'll do. You read a book and I'll listen to it and then afterwards we'll take a test and see who retained more of the book." Yeah. Because what is it? Yeah, it's fuck re- that guy. A story, whether yeah. you hear it told to you or you read it on a page, same diff. I'm sure but, that there's um, I'm sure that there's some like, you know, uh neurological studies about the difference but i just my attention span is so fucking shitty that i it's really hard for me to read long dude things. me too it's really is it because hard of brain to- fog or was it happening before the brain fog it was for me it was like it, it's just attention deficit it's just pretty yes. heavy attention deficit and i can do it i can read books that are and you know and this is the thing about add that if i were if i didn't have add I would be, I would smell a rat. Cause it's like, if I'm really into it, I can focus on it. That just sounds like, well, you're just a baby. You know, like you're not, you're, not, you're just like a big, a big full diaper baby. Like, oh, if you're not interested, you can't focus. Boo hoo. But it's true. Like, I, yes. I can read like a book that's like all plot and all action and, you know, or about a topic that I'm really into. But if it's like a novel that's about like, a family's struggles, you know, in, in, you know, 1950s New England. Z, 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 that's the sound of me <laughs> sleeping. Good night. I cannot stick to it. It just, I, I end up like really feeling like it's like, it, it's a, it, I don't have a lot of trouble sleeping, but when I do, I read a boring book. 
And then it's yeah. like, it puts me right the fuck out, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have that too, to a degree. Uh, and I can tell pretty quickly if I'm reading a book that I just don't like. And I have yeah. to be honest with myself. It's not my ADHD. It's that this book does not agree with my, you know, sensibilities. It's just not my, not my yeah. cup of. But even stuff that I like, I have a hard time not wandering to another subject right. in my mind. Right. And, uh, and even so that's why I started like listening to books instead of reading them because uh, I found that I was able to focus more for longer stretches of time. But then even when I'm listening to a great book, uh, I'll have to go back and re-listen yeah. to like that same three minute stretch, like five, six, seven times in a row before I really listen the whole way through. Right, right. And it's amazing how much ADHD. I'm just mm-hmm. self-diagnosing, by the way. No one's right, told no, me I, I have yeah, this. yeah. So I, I think I mean, what we need are drugs. <laughs> well, I was taking, I did take uh, Adderall for a while. but then, Did it help? Uh, it did actually help, but uh, then it, get, it causes, you know, it makes your blood pressure sky high. And oh, I'm, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's like I was doing a, I was doing this uh, kind of a remote comedy bit. And yeah. that the Adderall that I got, it would be generic. And so the bottle would just say amphetamine. Like, it's like my name and my address and, you know, CBS yeah. and amphetamine. And I, well, I had to go through security once shooting a, a bit at like a Marine base. And it yeah. was, you know, it was like in my bag. It's just a bottle marked amphetamines, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I ended up stopping doing it because it just, it's, and I, you know, and just because of blood pressure, it's like, I don't, that, I don't yeah, no, that's I can't a, be doing that, you know, that, the, yeah, that's a deal breaker. But I, I imagine that there's like, oh, and you never want to eat cheeseburgers again or some kind of benefit to it that mm. might balance that. No, 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 it no. doesn't affect the hunger so much. No, no, no. You and probably you can't sleep very easily if you're rocking on Adderall, right? Well, I never, I never, I only took it as directed. And occasionally I took, like, whenever I have taken, like, too much, I don't like pills. Like, if I've taken, like, doubled up on Adderall accidentally because, like, I took it. And then ADD forgot that I took it um, and took it twice. It feels off. I felt awful. I felt, like, just nervous and shitty. And it's the same thing, like, whenever I've had surgery and they've given me um, Oxycontin. Mm. I, I've gotten that. I gave, they gave me that a couple times, and I, that made me. I hated the feeling of that, and then gave Dude. me nightmares. Pain Speaking of oxycontin and great television shows that you haven't seen, Dope Sick. Okay, I've Dude. heard about that. Is it good? Yes, because fucking Batman for original Batman was so good in it. Oh, really? We're talking about Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Dude crushes. Not, He's such a good Adam actor. West. I thought you meant Adam West. Oh, you're right. He yeah. is the original. Yeah, he sure is. But, you know, I know motion I know. picture, big screen. Yeah. Um, He's so damn good. Everyone's yeah. so good in it. And it really gets to the heart of the insidious nature of OxyContin and the money that was made by the family, the Sacklers. Yeah, yeah. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Why did you, what was it about show business that first grabbed you? You know what? Because you grew up out here. You grew up in, yeah. in L.A. Well, not this is getting, this is getting really. dangerously close to the three questions. That's the idea. Okay, so here we go. We're going into phase one right now. We are. We are. We got the Good, initial stuff over with. I like to, uh, I like to um, put the chapter headings when that, when I see them coming. Okay. Up uh, in neon lights. Chapter one. Question number one. Yes. Where did Jack Black come from? Yeah. What is Jack Black? The my initial pull. Story. Yes, the origin story. The pull to the industry. Well, um, I my first memory of putting on a show mm-hmm. was uh, in the living room of our house in Hermosa Beach, California. Just south of Los Angeles, just mm-hmm. just outside of Hollywood, but close enough beachy. that you could feel the energy. Beachy, yes, yeah. But you could feel the energy of Hollywood, the machine, the the center of the entertainment universe, right, right next door. Uh, and my parents were um, progressive aerospace engineers. They worked at Whoa. TRW, and they were very smart, but they were also Folk dancing, Middle Eastern folk dance enthusiasts. <laughs> that's how they actually met. Really? They met folk dancing, and then I was like, oh, I'm an aerospace engineer. What? Oh, my God, me too. <laughs> Something like married. that. Let's get married. They got married, and it was a groovy time, you know, uh, in the late 60s. And, and I was born in 69, and, and uh, they moved to Hermosa Beach, California, and my earliest memory of putting on a show, we were in the living room. It was me, my mom and dad, and I wanted to recreate my birth. I think I must have been like three or four years old. Yeah. And I put a blanket over my mom, and uh, and I would come out of the blanket crying, and then <laughs> I wanted them to play their part and be like, oh, a baby, we love you, oh. It was very strange, but I really got a kick out of, of of that recreation, and then that evolved, and I I started doing a show for them, just for them. They were the only audience members where I was born, and then I grow up, 
and I have like a life as an adult, and then I die. <laughs> I did my whole life for them, uh, a one-man show. Right, right. And they just got such a kick out of it. They thought I was so funny, and <sighs> I guess that was the beginning. Yeah. How long was that? I mean, in uh, do you remember what your adult life was like in the one-man show? Like, what did you do in the one-man show? It's very foggy. Yeah. There's a lot that, yeah, I don't remember. I think that I graduated from school and then I think I was driving a car. I don't think I had like a job. any, yeah, I, I don't remember getting married or anything in my, yeah, I, I wish that there was a tape of that very first Jack Black performance, but mm. it's really lost in the sands of time. Yeah, yeah, I could call my dad and ask if he remembers any of it, but for sure his fog is thicker than mine. <laughs> Yeah, that's I uh, when I was a little kid, um, I avoided going to bed by doing uh, Carol Burnett bits, recreating Carol Burnett bits for my grandma. Yeah, she would become incapacitated with laughter. Oh, my Uh, God. And it was like, that's like, that's just fucking power. Like when you there's no there's no um, more powerful. um, uh, uh sense of confidence that you can get than when you're a kid doing it, trying it out for those early times when you're trying to put on a show. If you've got a family member or someone who's just loving your shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it can be overstated how how much that can carry you through the rest of your life. Yeah. And it is like, it's, you know, you don't want to look at it as being like completely transactional, you know, like, hey, if I do this, like if I push this button, I get some candy. Uh, yeah, but it is kind of like it still does sort of have that aspect, no matter how long you do it or in what in what venue. It is still kind of like, well, if I go do this, I get this good feeling, and you know, I I like that good feeling, and you know, it's yeah, it's pretty fun to make people happy. You well, know, it is. It is. I have said before. It's it's the physical manifestation of happiness. Like, it's like in terms of like the short, the short term goal of like, or the, you know, like the, the, you know, the very succinct goal of making people happy in life. Like you're making it, they're making the noise that Mm -hmm. happiness is, you know, like you're making them make that noise. So it's like, you know, when you're very young, when, when is the first time you feel that that pull to have a purpose, to have something that you are good at so that there is a meaning for you to exist? Right. That's what we're talking about. These are big, heavy things, you know, and when you first put on a show, there's that hope like, wait, maybe this is why I maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And uh, if you if you have some success in that, just like in anything, if people like what you do, if you like you you you're a carpenter and you made some cool like little fort it, that that uh that sense of accomplishment or a job well done is one of the most powerful things that a young mind and young person can have and mine yeah was definitely very, from a very early age it was putting on a show was 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 a main thing i mean i had other stuff i liked to do i liked to draw Mm-hmm. And uh you know and i you got still a little, draw a lot yeah i still draw i got, and I, I, yeah. and i got some love for that but yeah, there was something about getting getting those giggles and those chortles that was extra special. Did you ever bug your kids or bug bug your parents because you were you know in showbiz town, like to be a child actor of any kind? Like, 
I remember, yeah, I was jealous of other kids. Like there's one kid in particular who was in that movie Real Life by Albert Brooks. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, man, if I could have that. And my stepfather, many years later, when I was like 10 years old, uh, said he could drive me around to auditions if I wanted. I was like, yes, I do want that. And then he took me around. And and so I did that circuit as a young child actor. I was, look, I have to confess, Andy, <gasps> I was a child actor. Oh, okay? no. Are you happy? Oh. Now you know. Now we know where the damage is from. <laughs> oh. oh, I wish but, I could uh, hug you. I loved it, and uh, I loved going on auditions. I really did. Even if I didn't get the part, if I got a laugh in the audition, I was just high all day. And I'd go go on auditions for commercials, everything. There was no pickiness. It was like anything and everything. And uh, I got a commercial. That was my first professional paying job. And I got into the SAG union when I was, uh, uh, I think I was 12 years old. Um, wow, 1982, that would have been like the same year that Jeff Bridges was in Tron. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's how far back I the, go in the industry. <laughs> the ascendancy meets. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, uh, I also went on auditions for plays yeah. and I weirdly auditioned for a play, uh, called Inside Eddie Binstock. And it was playing, it was in a coffee shop in Hollywood, a crack in the wall place called the Deja Vu Coffee House. Definitely not there anymore. And uh, (laughs) it was directed by a young, fresh out of UCLA, Tim Robbins. What the? Who is the world famous Tim Robbins from uh, Escape from the Prison movie that everyone loves. Yeah, sure. Uh, Rita Hayworth. Shaw Green Mile. And the no. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, he he directed that, and I just looked up to him, and I was, you know, twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I did that for a while, and and then uh, you know, I did theater in high school. Did a lot of musical theater. So that was like the beginnings of Tenacious D is, you know, mm-hmm. the mixture of music and comedy and theater. And uh, and then I went to UCLA. I was a theater major at UCLA. Not a good student. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I didn't. Uh, my parents didn't, you know, bribe anyone. There was no there was definitely some strings were pulled because I did not deserve to be at UCLA, but I I got into UCLA theater and uh, and I I slept through all of the lectures and uh, I was kind of going through the motions because my dad really wanted me to have a diploma. So I had to try. And then I basically bailed on college and I went off to do theater with the actors gang um, company who was uh, started by Tim Robbins, who I had this connection to from 10 years earlier when I was 12 years old. And uh, we went to the Edinburgh theater festival and, and, uh, and, uh, and that's where me and Kyle first met to start tenacious D my rock band comedy band. You met in Edinburgh and or you met at the Actors Gang? We met in the Actors Gang. Yeah. And yeah. we were both in Edinburgh together. And yeah. um so yeah. 
that that uh, that's kind of what led to my first movie role was Tim's first movie that he directed called Bob Roberts. That's the first place I remember seeing you. And I, oh, you so you saw my first role. I did. And I remember like seeing you in that, you making an impression and then seeing you in subsequent things and going, Oh, that's that creepy guy from Bob Roberts. <laughs> Cause you played like, I mean, you basically played like, uh, the the precursor of all the fucking you know dead eyed right wing people on the internet now like yeah. you know young young maniac shaved head Travis Bickle you know Republican guys yeah yeah before there was MAGA nation right exactly I predicted it with my performance <laughs> Bob Maybe, Roberts do you think you caused it. I Are think that- Bob Roberts could have been, yeah, that, that would be a cool one for Tim to do a sequel to Bob Roberts because it seems a lot of that has come true in a weird yeah, way. The, yeah, yeah. The manipulation of the the religious right into, you know, crazy political uh, power. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, are you? do you have any regrets about not, about skipping college? Like, do you wish you had? Like, is it is it going to be hard for you to tell your kids you better go to college? Um, what would have happened in a sliding door universe where, mm. you know, I do think sometimes what I coulda, woulda, shoulda done after high school when I graduated was not go straight into college. Yeah, take a year off, travel, experience life in a different way. And then maybe go to college and uh, and really dive in headfirst with what I want to study. But then I realized, no, it's just actually not for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it started even before college. In high school, I had a real tough time. Even in grade school, I had a real tough time concentrating, you know, back to the ADHD. Um, and my mind would wander in class. And it was almost like I had narcolepsy in any kind of school environment. Whenever Mm -hmm. it felt like traditional education, I fell asleep and I fell asleep all the time. And uh, one time the teacher at at high school, I was at Crossroads School for the Arts and Sciences. Mm -hmm. I think I was in 11th grade. Uh, The teacher, the the science teacher, uh, chemistry, got so sick of me falling asleep in class he told the whole class everyone stay totally quiet now leave everyone because the class is over instead of everyone getting up and loudly leaving yeah everyone left the classroom super quiet so i was still sleeping on the on the desk and then he told everyone coming in for the next class everyone come in quiet jack's asleep and i want to surprise him so everyone came in and sat down and the class started and at some point i like woke up and Looked around and I was confused because I didn't. Why? Who? Why? I'm not in class with any of these students. These are all seniors. Um, what am I doing here? And then the laughter began, and they all laughed and pointed at this silly sleeping boy. Oh! And the the professor was the most filled with laughter and glee, red faced and oh. pointing, and I deserved it, you know. But also maybe I didn't deserve it. No. Maybe there's a reason I was sleeping. I, not just laziness, but some people take in information differently. Right. 
Uh, and he some never people shouldn't sle- go to college. He never slept again. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it. it that's kind of shitty. Like, and, like pranking, like a, to prank a kid and make a kid feel embarrassed in front of a bunch of people. I think they should teach you in teachers' college. Don't ever do that. Don't yeah. ever humiliate a kid. Like that's just the you know, it's just the worst. You know, yeah, and and. It happened to me a couple times and I, and it's just like, and I still think about it. It still is like yeah. a fucking, you know, finger on a, on a toothache, you know, it's just like, ow, yeah. every time I think about it, but you know, you got to remember too, they're high school teachers. There's like, yeah. you know, they're, they're, you see them, like I see them with my kids, having, you know, going through high school. I see the teachers that kind of are you can tell they sort of get off on the fact that they're like pretty cool in relation to these children, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm pretty suave and sophisticated compared to these (laughs) 15 year olds. Yeah. You know, so, but when it, when it comes to like the, the lessons and the things that I took from school that I remember, I don't remember any of the actual nuts and bolts, but, uh, I do remember when my English teacher was like, uh, look, you're not doing well in this class. Uh, here's what I want you to do so you can get a passing grade. You and Shannon, another actor uh, student in my class, you guys go and do uh, learn this scene from Sam Shepard's. Uh, what was True that West. play? True no, West. it was the one with the with the two lovers that that were had a tumultuous relationship. Fool for love. Okay. Do a scene from Fool for Love and bring it into class and perform it live. And if if you do it well, I'll give you a passing grade in the class. And me and Shannon went and rehearsed at her house this scene. And we rehearsed the hell out of it. And then we came into class and we kicked so much ass. And I was so thrilled with the performance. And then he was like, stay here. I need you to do this performance for the next class that's coming in. He loved it so much. He wanted all of his students to see it. And I just learned so much from that performance. What a great teacher. Yeah, it was great. And, and I, that's a, a like a core memory for me. It was a, a, a great lesson in how I take in information and how I actually learn on the job so much more than studying it in the book. And, um, and that guy, you know, it's, this is a weird name droppy thing. I can't remember his name, but I do remember one thing about this teacher. There was a great English teacher. He was the youngest kid in the Partridge family. He was that actor. Oh, wow. He grew up and I could look it up on Wikipedia. I can picture his face, but I can't, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But he grew up and became a great English teacher. But Wow. um, And there's a few things like that throughout my my schooling where I think about, oh, yeah, but that's where I really learned a lot. Oh. Brian Forster. Oh. That's the one. Brian yeah. Forster. Shout out to Brian. Great teacher. Great teacher. Yeah. And do you think do you think that part of like and it's just I'm just curious because. Is there something about a teacher? Uh, it Was there something appealing about it? The fact that this teacher took you out of the mainstream and tailored something particularly to you? Like, was that the beginning of what was special about it? Do you think? 
I think um, he just gave me a chance to communicate uh, 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 a powerful emotion and what great writing can be and and what it what it means to 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 put on a show with great writing it's yeah. like a it's an essential part of the 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 work the sam shepherd thing on the page is one thing but when you have an actor who's really feeling emotions connected to it it transforms it into a whole different experience and brings the piece to life in a way that it it, it has to be to experience it properly you know like yeah you can read Shakespeare till the cows come home, but until you see a great performance of it, uh, it that that's the thing, the final essential piece to communicate what's happening inside of it. Yeah, see, I'm not a big Shakespeare fan. Oh I, man, I, it's just it, it's lost on me. I I read it, I've seen it, I've seen real big, great productions of it, and I just don't get it. I just, I guess you haven't seen uh, Henry the Fifth. <laughs> yeah, I guess I that one will change your mind. All right, I'll be right back. With what's his name? Um, he did a great job. What's his name? Yeah, he's a British guy. Come on, oh, one of those British guys, sure. And he has that Brian, speech in Brian there. Forster. <laughs> There's a famous speech in there. <laughs> uh, my horse, uh, horse Saint Crispin's uh, Day. Uh, Everyone, we're going into battle. And if you care about forsooth, thy shall say St. <laughs> Crispin's Day. <laughs> Something like that. Something like it's yeah, I get, yeah, I get the gist. I get the gist. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? In my in, in the research that uh, somebody else, I don't research this stuff myself. Uh, there was something about Anne Bancroft giving you great notes after a high school thing. That was a big one for me. Yeah. Um. So, Anne Bancroft's son and Mel Brooks's son together. Uh, Maximilian Brooks. Who has been went, a guest on this podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah, because now he's, you know, like, a, he wrote all those zombie books. Did you read yeah. any of his zombie books? Yeah. Yeah, he's a They're, brilliant writer. He's a brilliant writer. And now he's like, he's like, you know, goes around, um, you know, like uh, uh, lecturing and, and consulting about like disaster, you know, contingencies. Uh, just I see him sometimes. I'll see, him. yeah, yeah, and he's consulted so by, much. yeah, you but know? he's consulted by by uh, the military about yeah. possible scenarios because yeah, he's yeah. able to, you know, creatively imagine uh, 
horrible, horrible uh, things in science fiction future. Yeah. Um, but also, you'll see him sometimes on the real time with Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you gotta you gotta be ready with knives out to go on that show because uh, sometimes Bill will turn on you and you gotta be ready yeah. with your shield right because he'll gut you in front of millions <laughs> and he has no fear because he can yeah. hold his own with anyone on any intellectual level and I'm very impressed with him right and he does he also has the invincible quality of not giving one shit whether you like him or not. Nope. Yeah. Like he does not care at all about. Not well, being liked. you know, like we were saying about how how powerful it is when you got loving parents that actually really dig you and give yeah. you encouragement early on. I have no doubt that he got that from Anne Bancroft because I got. I'm not her son, but well, I got I meant, a little. I meant Bill Maher. I, I was talking about Bill Maher. I thought you were talking about Bill Maher. <laughs> I Never was. mind. I, I, no, okay. I switched. Oh, you switched. Okay. All right. Because I was like, I didn't mean that about, I'm, I'm Max, I think, wants to be liked. Uh, you know, yes. and my impression is that it, it doesn't, he is human and wants to be liked. So, okay. Yes. Anyway, gone with Max and his mom. No, Bill yeah. Maher, I would suggest, has the opposite. He he thrives on not being liked. He gets yeah. a little charge out of it. He gets a little sexual charge out of it. Mm. You know, oh, you don't like what I'm saying and you don't like me? Well, fuck you. And, and then, then people love him for it. And a there's a weird. slide whistle. Because <laughs> he's getting a little bit of wood. A little bit but, of hate uh, wood. But uh, yeah, so Max Brooks uh, had rad parents who were loving and supporting of him. And but beyond that, I was in a play at at uh, my high school called The Miracle Worker, famous uh-huh. play. Uh, Helen Keller can't see or hear or speak. And and she is kind of brought into this world through communication that, that all the doctors said was impossible by this miracle worker who played uh, who was played in the movie by Anne Bancroft brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing a play of the miracle worker and Anne comes down. She doesn't have to do this because Max is not in the play. She yeah. just comes down because, you know, she was in the movie and she said, hello, I heard you were doing this play. I wanted to come and say hi to the cast and tell you all, you know, a little bit about my experience in that movie and, it was just so sweet and wonderful and, and gave us a little insight as, as to how we would perform the show. God dang it, I'm getting a phone call. I, gotta, I forgot to do the thing. Let me turn that off and do not disturb. Was yeah. it Biden? It was Joe Biden, oh, my best man. friend Biden. He can wait. <laughs> um, so she comes to the show yeah. uh, and is so sweet and she comes backstage and tells everybody what a great job we all did and she said you know you played the 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 role that uh everyone said was a thankless little role a nothing role and you really brought something to it and i was like oh my god thank you and then i got home and she had left a message on our answering machine at home and she said jack i didn't want to say this in front of everyone but born to do it you were born to do it. And it was so moving. And I wow. listened to that answering machine message until it wore out the tape cassette. Mm-hmm. It was like 150 times and I made a tape of the tape. And it's just weird how sometimes a little word of encouragement can mean so much and take you to another level. Just that that boost of self-confidence that I got from that was 
I can't, I can't really overstate how much it meant to me. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that's honestly, I bet that's probably why that, that makes it okay to not go to college. You know, I yeah. bet, you know, it's probably like one of those things where you've always got that in the back of your head, you know, because, and also too, when you want to be an actor, college, eh, you know, it's like, I always feel like you learn so much more by doing than studying and especially yeah. in acting is especially in film and television, you can do a million classes and, but you learn more from like three days on an actual professional set acting and actually learn about what it all really is and how to do it and, and what's important about it. Um, you learn so much more by just getting paid to do it. Uh, and being yeah. in a professional atmosphere with other professionals, you know. Um, it's a high wire act, and there's tons of adrenaline involved. Yeah. And uh, there's no classroom that can really uh, re- recreate that that kind of environment. Yeah. I would go off and, and do a play with my friends outside of the school in front of real audiences. And, and uh, yeah, I grew leaps and bounds and... And got so much more out of that experience than any of the any of the classes that I had. Truth be How, told, throughout you know, uh, as you as you progressed in the in this work, how do you deal with uh, self doubt? Because it's uh, you know it's almost like a necessary you know a, accompanying feeling to like you said it's a high wire act and high wire acts involve falls. And there's always a fall that could be right around the corner. Um, yeah. Not that high wire acts have corners. It's usually just one straight line. But <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah. Uh, self-doubt, is a, it's a demon that uh, must be faced. And in fact, I get it before every performance, even if I'm feeling real confident about the material or, or about, you know, the song, if, we're, if me and Kyle are going to go perform some music somewhere. I just, uh, it's a kind of a running joke that I have with Kyle Gass of Tenacious D. Before we go on stage anywhere, we always, uh, we look at each other with terror and we're like, uh, is there some kind of a loophole? Is there some way we can cancel the show (laughs) and blame it on something? Blame it on the loophole? Yeah. And uh, because no matter how much we love it, there's always that little bit of dread right before you go on stage because um, uh, there's a fight or flight aspect to performance, to live performance, where you really want that attention and you want that love and you want to put on a good show and make everyone laugh and have a good time. But it also is just a big crowd of people and they could judge you and they could conceivably turn on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and there's always that little tiny seed of fear that you're not going to be accepted and you're not going to be liked. Uh, or, you know, maybe you're even afraid that what if I'm nervous when I go out there, they'll sense my nervousness. It's like they're a big wild animal. If they sense your fear, then they'll kill you. Yeah. And sometimes it's irrational. It's like, no, that's just. Um, but uh I have to just remind myself, no matter how bad, how, how bad I think it, how bad, like, cause you'll wake up someday and you'll get, uh, this doesn't feel like a good day. Feels like a bad show day. Feels like today is the day that I go out and shit the bed. No matter how much you feel like it's gonna suck. You have to admit to yourself, 
it's possible that it could go well. Yeah. You know what? It's actually possible that I'm going to go out there and have a great time. As hard yeah. to imagine yeah. as that is. And then once, if you can like convince yourself that it's possible, yeah. <laughs> not that it's definitely going to be good. That's, that's prob- off the table. Probably. No. Yeah. Just possible. If you, yeah. There's a small chance that this could turn out well. And more often than not, it does turn out well. You know, it's yeah. just a weird thing that you have to fucking talk yourself into. Isn't that weird? That's why really to do this, you have to love it so much. That feeling of when it goes well, that it's worth all of the anxiety and ulcers and nausea mm-hmm. <laughs> and nightmares that go along with it because it ain't easy. Yeah. Mm, well, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it is really, really fun. And it yeah. is, it's not even, I, you know, to me, it's more, well, because I got, you know, I, you, you're you used to like a much more higher energy performance than the things that I've been doing for the last 11 years or so. You know, like going on the Conan show is like, oh, go out there and crack wise. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I would have bits to act in that I would feel a little charged up about and hope that they went well. But we did so many of those shows that it kind of we did such a volume business that I was never too precious about any one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got, and, and I was very, uh, for me too, it's also the place that it's at. If I'm comfortable with the place, I'm comfortable. If it's a new place and new people, then I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I think I might <laughs> suck. I think that this is, this is all, this has all been a trick on me, like making me believe I can do this. Um, but I, I, uh, I do think that um, I forget what I, I forget what my point was. But well, I, I have I just, a point. I've, I've been waiting for my turn to talk for a second here because oh I my just God, to I'm say so sorry that your bits are funny and all of the the like the things that you guys have done over the years have uh, has always consistently made me laugh. But the thing that blows my mind about you is uh, you're off the cuff, like cracking wise just in the flow improvisations yeah. or just like things that you'll notice and you'll say, and I always go, man, what a mind. And I'm always blown away by your, the brilliance of your, uh, uh, just in the moment things that you say. Oh, thank you. And that you. can't really be planned for. That just has to be you just actually relaxing in the moment and making yeah. observations. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's like, you know, it's, it's, um, I just talked to, I was on uh, Justin Long's podcast and we talked a lot about it. And it is, it's a kind of not caring. That's not the same as not caring. You know, it's like <laughs> not giving a shit, but it's not not giving a shit. It's, it's giving yourself the freedom to just kind of be in there. And a big thing for me always too, was like to pursue my own fun within the moment. Like, like to be myself and to have a good time the way that I wanted to, regardless of all the stuff going on around me, like I wanted to have fun and I wanted, and I always felt like that was a good sort of MO in order to ensure that the audience would have a good time too. And I mean, it's like why one of my favorite, like truly one of my favorite things was when we'd have animals on. Like, just like, for me, that was like, yeah, I like doing comedy bits and stuff, but I get to pet a baby tiger. 
You know, like that's like that's that's the culmination of a lifetime's work is petting a baby tiger, you know, or yeah. you know, or oh, look at this giant tortoise, you know, like you can touch him and stuff. It's that's the shit that really mattered to me because I still just like I really am like I try and just I don't know if it's like I try. I just kind of like I like what I like and I follow what I think is fun and. And I think, too, oh, well, what I was going to say was, so I was going to say, when you say you got to really like it and to put up with that anxiety, my anxiety isn't so much in that moment. My anxiety is in the larger scheme of how am I going to make a living in all of this? How am I going to sit here when the phone hasn't rung? You know, (laughs) and I had had 11 years of steady work through the last stretch with Conan. So I'm back to that. And that's the part where it's like, yeah, I really do enjoy this because this is stressful. This is stressful, not, you know, like where it's like, well, another day went by where I didn't earn any money, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, you, as you get older, the, those they those matter, you know? And yeah. so it's like, it's, but it's the same thing. It's like, I still, I still love doing this enough that like, I'm, I'm willing to stick it out. I mean, and at this point, I think, what am I going to do? Get a realty license? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, I <laughs> imagine, imagine having to sell realty at this point. There's always porn. I guess. Yeah. 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 A B- Someone would pay to see yeah. us get it on. A BBM. Yeah. Uh, big, beautiful <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Bear stuff. I, you know, that's. <laughs> It's always, I remember once Andy Daly and I went to Disneyland once. We took our daughters when they were little and um, we just happened to go on gay day. And and on gay day at Disneyland, everybody wears, like all the gay people wear red. And I think I had a red shirt on and I think his daughter had a red shirt on. So people just (laughs) were looking at like these two blonde men with their two blonde daughters and like, Tons and tons of, of of moms come in going, are you putting sunscreen on them? Like, you know, like they just assumed us to be stupid gay dads that don't know how to. <laughs> but we went to, there used to be this all-you-can-eat barbecue chicken and ribs restaurant that was like, uh, you know, based on, I think, Song of the South. Like, again, that racist, the racist oh, yeah. bears, you know. And it was, it's not there anymore. I think that, but... It was was like, that right next to the the bears, the country yeah, bear jamboree? Uh, yeah, and the petting zoo. You know, like, and you know how there's like a little theater up in the woods. You know, yeah. kind of by, by Thunder Mountain Railway. Yeah, and, was, and the, yeah. the the log jammer ride was all right. was all Song of the South. Exactly, exactly. So it's it was right there, and it was good food, and it, they would just bring you like literal buckets of ribs and chicken, and I saw an entire like table of like 12 bear gay men you know big burly gay men and they <laughs> they are uh, and they were there at like 11 15 a.m yeah. you know to just pop to power it out and i was like the efficiency of that the efficiency of being <laughs> a, a big gay dude who just is into big gay dudes like yeah let's go eat four buckets of ribs and like <laughs> No judgments. Yeah. We all both are like, oh, that's so fucking hot the way you're putting away those ribs. Yeah, you too, buddy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's that's the life. That's the life. That is, only. Yeah, it's a little slice of heaven. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, now, um, with Tenacious D, you guys are so fucking great. Did you ever think, uh, like, okay, it's just going to be the D for me? You know, it's just, like, acting, schmacting, you know? Like, was there ever a point where you're just like, maybe I should just really focus on being in a band? Um, I, I've always felt like uh, I, 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 uh, I needed to do more than just music and I needed to do more than just acting. I, I really, from the very beginning, like musical theater, that was the great combo. But um, no, I've never felt like I, I want to just do one thing or the other. No. Uh, yeah. I've too squirrely. Uh, yeah. I'm a, more of a Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. But uh, we definitely, uh, enjoy doing it but we we work in in bursts and we have a slow um process we'll write a we'll write a record and we'll tour that record for a couple years and then we have to take some time off to to uh get that hunger again uh we 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 need six years between records so (laughs) that's just sort of been our process if we had to put out a record like a normal band every two years i don't think uh i don't think we'd still be doing it yeah but uh we do have a, a plan for another record and uh i'm excited for it but uh, yeah, there will be no D wine until it's D time, mm-hmm. and I need to get like other gigs going in between those those six year records uh, to uh, to feed the beast inside my soul. Yeah, yeah, I need I need uh, different things. But uh, I know if I had focused all my powers and energies on Tenacious D, maybe we could have been maybe we could have been more successful. Right. You could have like been like you too. Exactly. We yeah. could have been Pearl Jam. Yeah, they could have put your album on iPhones whether you wanted it or not. <laughs> that is success. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I don't think um, so. Have you ever done any like like I mean have you ever done any like Broadway musical theater cuz you have such an amazing voice. Thank You're you. You're such a good no. singer. Like you know why what's doesn't somebody weird? put you in Guys and Dolls or something? I just realized where I got COVID right oh, when you said cool. that we took a family vacation to New Jersey and New York Broadway. And it was on that trip. At some point I got COVID. Mm. I don't know if it was when I went to see the music man starring uh, the great Hugh Jackman, mm. or if it was at the pizza place, we went to John's pizzeria right afterwards. Right. Delicious pizza by the way yes but filled COVID-y. with covid yeah covid it was somewhere in new york city someone sneezed at me i don't know where and when exactly but yeah yeah i wouldn't trade it for the world that was a fun ass trip but I have i, I ever done broadway no yeah. i've never done broadway uh broadway. i did off broadway i was mm-hmm. in a little a little play um based on bertolt brecht's poetry Ooh. That almost no one saw called Bert Sees the Light. Mm. And uh, I have dreams of, of going on old Broadway. And I was definitely jealous of Hugh Jackman while he was up there. I was thinking, that should be me as the music man. Well, we got trouble. <laughs> and I wanted to do music man. I'd always thought, man, music man should be the, the my 
my entree to Broadway. You would be fantastic. Uh, Did your wife have to like keep holding your arm and keep you from brushing the stage? <laughs> yes. I gotta get up there. Dimmer down, Jack. Shh, Jack no. Stop it. Um, I and I did. I did enjoy. Whenever I see great Broadway musicals, I think God, that would be a fun, fun life. Uh, I saw an incredible production of uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. One of the that's probably my favorite musical theater uh, production or piece that I think has ever been written. That yeah. dude um, was something special. What's his name again? That dude that wrote that? I don't remember. Stephen Sondheim. Oh yeah, Sondheim. Genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Demon See, Barber of Fleet. I don't know Sondheim that well. And, well, uh, that's the one. I'm okay. going to say that's the one. If you're going to do one, do that one. It's the darkest and the juiciest. Right. And the harmonies the are insane. The yeah. And you know which other, another one I loved? I love the producers. Yeah? The producers. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know it was a movie first. It, it's, a, it, it's, it's kind of cheating because it's not really a musical that came. It, it, the real musicals, you want to say, came first and then a movie was made yeah. about, you know, right. uh, after the stage production. But weirdly, the producers should have been a Broadway musical first. Right. They did the movie, but they should have made it a musical because it works as a musical in a way that the movie doesn't because the movie is a movie about a, a musical. Right. The musical is a musical about the musical. About a musical. And so it works, it resonates stronger on that meta, like, thing within a thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of blew my mind. Yes, do, did I miss Gene Wilder? Of course. And Zero right. Mustel? Of course. No one can replace those guys. But it just kicked so much ass. And I was also just blown away by that Mel Brooks. Yeah. Because whenever I go, Ugh, how, how much life do we really have left? When do you stop rocking? Yeah. You, can you rock in your 50s? Sure, sure. Yeah. I've seen people rock in their... Can you rock in your 60s? Yeah, barely. <laughs> can you rock in your 70s? Nope, it's no, over. Yeah, Might as well so. die at 69. Yeah. But then you see someone like Mel Brooks having a fucking fifth act yeah. and blowing doors down and then he's like 80 on Broadway. It was, it's inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you meet an old person that like doesn't <laughs> act like an old person because you're so used yeah. to, and especially like in my own life, all the old people just, most of them suck. They just yeah. they're like, you know, <laughs> they're complaining. They, yeah, it they, sucks. They yeah. don't, they don't, you know, like the thing to me is they close off, they get more scared. They don't get yeah. like more open when it's like, hey man, you know, yeah, I get it. The, it's scary. The, the clock is ticking, but <laughs> Try and force yourself open to that. Like, make it so that, like, the end, you're not like, whoa, I'm just, you know, like, where you're in the ground before you should be in the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I got to work with Robert Altman, and he was like that. He, I was Fuck just like, yeah. like, holy moly, this guy. What did you so guys old. do together? It was a movie called Dr. T and the Women. It's not, it's not that great a movie. But, yeah, but you, know. you got to hang with Robert I did. Altman. I did. And then and he was super friendly and he, he like would have dinners at his house. And then I got invited to things in New York because he lived in New York a lot of the time oh. and got to go see screenings and stuff and parties oh in his apartment. God. And got to go like one of the 
I got to go to his funeral. I, I was asked to go to his funeral and it was a memorial mm. service. And one thing that was really cool about that, and I wish that there was a transcript of it, but Garrison Keeler was one of the eulogizers and he got yeah. up and he talked about Robert Altman's experience as a young man fly, flying bomber planes in the Pacific. And they would take wow. off from somewhere in the Pacific where it'd be 105 degrees, but they'd have to wear those, you know, like sheepskin, those shearling pilot coats because they'd go up so high that it would be like, you know, zero degrees. They'd go from 110 to zero. And they flew these these deadly missions. I don't remember where, where like the survival rate was 45 percent. Whoa. And he flew like 20, 30 of these missions as, as at like 20 years old. And so, and, you know, and, and made it through. And like a bunch of people died, crash landed a couple times, you know, like barely made it. Robert and, Altman did that? Yeah. 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 As, and also never talked about it. Right. Yeah, that's not, not yeah. something you know about him. Didn't, yeah. Didn't toot his horn about it. But what was really, is that then he came back to Kansas City and started making industrial films and started smoking weed in people's offices and not giving a fuck about anything because it's like, motherfucker, you're going to tell me like I can't make this movie the way I want to make it. I look death in the face at the age of 20 repeatedly. Yeah. And you're going to tell me like I can't say fuck or I can't <sighs> like have nudity or I can't do this sex scene or I can't record multiple voices at once. You know, like and it just that was like that was really you know, it was just really striking to me and made me feel like, yeah, that's that's wow. a kind of uh, he was he was a hero of mine before, like, you know, artistically. Yeah. And then as I got to meet him, I just was like, this is, you know, and he had his family working for him, like a bunch of people on his his kids and different family members worked for him on the set and they were all capable professionals. But he just like he just. I was like, that's how to do it. Like the way he's that puts a whole other spin on mash. The movie that he directed that led to the TV series that ran for years. And is it true? Tell me if this is a trivia thing that you're aware of that his son wrote the lyrics to the theme song of mash. I think he did. I think one of them did. Yeah. And they're not on the TV show. You don't hear any lyrics on the TV show, but I think he did. Or, or was that, or was it one of the Caradines? Suicide that, is yeah. painless. Or was it one of the Caradines? Or is that maybe that I'm easy? Uh, it well, matter. whatever. Yeah. The thing is, up, folks. that um, that story blows my mind, and I have a connection to that story because my first movie, uh, Bob Roberts, that I was telling you about, Tim Robbins yeah. directed, went to the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, I was not invited because I had such a small part. But my dad lived in Cannes at the time. And I was like, Dad, I'm coming to Cannes to visit you. And then really I was sneaking into the the premiere of Bob Roberts in Cannes Film Festival and had the best time uh, after the, the screening premiere in Cannes. Tim was like, come, Jack, Jack, come to, we're going to the top of the mountain. There's a, there's a, we're, we're going to have a little uh, after premiere party. And it's nighttime at the top of a mountain in Cannes at some some rich guy's mansion and I'm out on the veranda smoking a joint with Robert Altman, Tim Robbins and Giancarlo Esposito, who was also, and it was a, an incredible memory and a moment 
that I was just like smoking a joint with legends. Yeah. Yeah. He I, would, every night after work, because it was very important to him that everyone watch dailies. So when you were done wow. shooting and they were very, very like humane hours, you know, like eight hour days, nine hour days. Yeah. Uh, you'd all get together in this big screening room that one of his sons uh, perfected screening rooms, like the right angle and the right projector and the right distance. And we would watch it and there'd be snacks and he'd just be smoking joints watching it, you know, or at we on weekends, he'd have parties at his house, big, you know, like big dinners for the cast and stuff. And he'd be watching, this was in Dallas. He was in a rental house. And he'd be watching like six different football games at once and have money on all of them. And like complicated, <laughs> like I parlayed the, you know, the Giants in with the Cowboys. And if the Packers lose, then the Jaguars have to win. And like all these complicated bets, just, you know, just pursued his own joy. What incredible life. Yeah. And, t- and that, he was he was at Cannes because he had directed The Player. Yeah. A brilliant movie about the Hollywood industry that Tim was also that in. That Tim is in, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I always wanted to party with Bob Altman after that. Yeah. And we never, I never got to be in any of his movies. But tragically, um, he he did call me one day oh, wow. many years later and said, I think it was like actually 10 years later, or I don't know, he, he said, I want you to be in a movie. I want you to play this part. It's going to be a, 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 an adaptation of a documentary that I really love called Hands on a Hard Body. I want to bring that to life in a movie. And I was like, I'm in. And Jack White was going was gonna to do all the music for it. And I was like, this is fucking rad. And then he died. And I was oh. so crushed. Not only that, I was not going to be in a fucking Robert Altman <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also that, you know, this super cool, awesome guy was gone off yeah. the planet. Yeah. Well, but what a life. Yeah. What a crazy life. You know what he reminds me of? And I never met the guy, but did you ever meet that improv? Um, Del Close? Yes. The yes. genius Del Close. Yeah. I took classes with Del. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Did they have, am I way off? Did they have any kind of similarities just in energy? Yes. In energy, yes. But I mean, um, Dell was, was, was brilliant and a great teacher and really, you know, thought about improv and was completely devoted to it. But he was a complete mess. You know, he yeah. like, he could barely, you know, like he couldn't, he could barely hold together an apartment, you know, okay, whereas so that's a totally Robert, yeah. Whereas Robert Altman, you know, ran movies, you know, and, right. was, and you know, <laughs> and did, did that, you know, like not only just directed the movie, but like was constant, you know, like all his movies, he had to go get the money first. He yeah. had to go talk to, and I, I mean, I think the way that everything was done was that he'd go secure, like, because his movies did so much better overseas that he'd secure all this kind of foreign money and then get the movie started and then ha- and then be still trying to get money while he's making the movie, you know, like just like get enough money to start, you know, to get the balloon off the air, but then like to keep fuel in the burner. 
but you had to keep pushing, you know? That sounds like chaos to me. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah, like yeah. A, an enormous amount of stress and anxiety, but he was able to navigate it because, yep. like I say, he didn't give a shit. He didn't and give so a shit, and he had people bet helping He'll parlay on five different football games, yeah, and it yeah. sounds like chaos, but no, because he's a brilliant professor, he's able right. to navigate through, and also, who cares if it all fucking explodes right, and right, the right. hell? It was and fun. that's what I felt like Del Close was also, even though his life was more shambles, yeah. He was like in the middle of a horrible chaos, but he was able to like find some brilliance because he's this wizard professor at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, maybe it's just because there are two old dudes with beards. Maybe that's the only reason <laughs> I think of them. Well, no, they're both similar. they're both kind of gurus. They're both kind of visionaries. They're both yeah. you know very inspirational and inspired a lot of people beneath them. So yeah, I mean it is similar. That's the thing with Del Close that I'm obsessed with is that. He's touched so many great performers and uh, yourself included over the decades. I don't know that there's another teacher, uh, certainly of improvisation, that has has crossed paths with so many unbelievable, talented. You not know, in imp- yeah, not in purely an improv comedy. No, uh, um, no, yeah. And I don't know that much about him. He never wrote a book. There's not a ton of footage of him. Uh, and and so he's just this weird, mysterious force of nature that you hear people talk about him, but he's just sort of a a, a mysterious figure in my yeah. In my... There's somebody made a documentary about him. A guy, uh, a Chicago guy, I can't remember his name, and um and his his business partner Sharna Helpern. She wrote she wrote a book, uh, Truth and Comedy, that was kind of based on all his stuff. You know, and and that was kind of like she, but she sort of like, you know, she kind of literally picked him up out of the gutter and said, you know, here, here's an apartment, come teach classes. And she kind of, you know, kept him alive to keep him teaching, you know. Uh, Yeah. So, but anyhow, that's none of this is about you. Sorry. We're here for. That's all right. I went off track. We've been talking a while here. Um, how about the second question? You ready for the second question? Hit me. Where are you going? Um, I mean, right well, no one this. knows where they're going. No one knows where they're going. First of all, with the with this question, but uh, you know, the, there's the if I had to look into my crystal ball and tell you where I think I'm going, where I'd like to be going, I'd like to watch my boys graduate from high school and uh, follow them and watch where they go on life's journey and uh and i'm definitely going to worry about them and and uh and uh and uh help them whenever they let me but i i uh i can't help but like but uh but have anxiety about my boys in the in the dangerous strange world ahead of them mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i and i wish for them to have like love and joy and and a great adventure and i know that when i was a kid i i i didn't know what, what life had in store and i ended up having a uh incredible lucky fun filled and you know ups and downs but it's a weird thing when you have kids you're like if there's a crapshoot element where you're like you want all the great things for them but you don't know how it's going to go really uh, 
I remember for for many many most of my life, I was like, I'm not having kids. It's too much stress. I remember my parents when when they got their divorce, it was just like, oh, why would you want to put yourself through all of that turmoil? And yeah, it's just easier not to have them. But then at a certain part of my life, I was like, I want to have some. I want to have that in my life. I want to have a, a family and a and a a sense of shared love and and like a and uh, and it pulled me into this world that now it's everything to me. And, yeah. Uh, and I don't know uh, when it's right to like say no, let them go on their journey and don't try to control them too much, because if you try to keep them safe too much, uh, then you're doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. But anyways, you know, in the future, where know. am I going? Yeah. You never know. I mean, like I have a 21 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. So I'm like a few years because your oldest is 16. Yeah. 16 yeah. and 14. And well, first of all, with the, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but with the first one, and I even told my son this a few years ago, I was like, listen, everything that we did with you, we had no fucking clue because you're the first. Yeah. Like we didn't, we don't know, you know, we were the first one that we had that was like 10. You're the first one that we had that was 12. You're the first one that we had was going to college. You're the first one that drove a car. You know, I don't know, you know, like how much do I yell at you while we're driving the car and you're fucking up, you know, like how much do I be quiet and let you learn on your own, you know? And so the first one, you don't know, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm sure somebody else made this up, but I heard it first from Kelly Ripa, like. She said, kids are like pancakes. You know you're going to ruin the first one. Um, <laughs> and, um, but, I, it, but I'm but i dealing with it now where I – and I've, I've talked about it where, you know, you, you want to make yourself to where your kid doesn't need you. Like that's your job. It's like to yes. make it so that you're not – like you're, you're making an independent creature. So you're, you're trying to avoid their dependence on you as much as you can. But there comes a time when it comes time to word like, oh, he's no, he's leaving. And you're like, well, really? Is that really the deal now? Is that you're going to just go off then? You're just going to go and not be my baby anymore. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's what he's going to do. And and it's it's really hard. And you got to, you know, and then like the. And also you can't do much to ensure one way or the other, you know, they're going to like, if he's going to make mistakes, he's going to make mistakes. If he's going to be like a wildly successful, he's going to do that. And if he's going to, you know, fall on his face, he's going to fall on his face. And all you can do is like be like there to like, I don't know, make dinner for him afterwards, you know, (laughs) and just, you know, let him watch your cable. Uh, because there's not a lot you can do and you just have to your job I think at the or I'm should I'm, my job I feel like now now I got to fill my life like the spaces that were filled with kid and taking care of kid and worrying about kid and and you know raising kid I got to fill that with something else I got to figure out something else to put in there and that's my job rather than just go like oh this empty space cuz I mean you know <laughs> There, there's definitely, I felt in my life from, you know, like from people, uh, adults that were from when I was a child that were like, oh, the empty space, where are you going? And it's like, 
well, I thought this was the deal. I thought I was supposed to go out and, and <laughs> be on my own. And it's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And it, and it, yeah, and it's not, it isn't fun, but, you know, at least you have a band. You know, yeah. your kids go off and they go to college. You can just go fucking tour with your, you know. I like to say that when land. my when my boys leave the nest, my empty yeah. nest is just going to turn into a twenty four seven gymnasium, <laughs> and I'm going to get in the best physical condition of my life. Sure, I'm going to finally the, be able to focus. They're yeah. the thing that's getting they're the in the ones way. holding me back. Yeah, I'm always eating those snacks that I'm making for them that they don't eat. That's right. why. That's why I got all uh, this shitty food in the house for them. For that ice cream, yeah. that's for them. And yeah, there will be another Tenacious D. I think that the Tenacious D thing, there's going to be a Tenacious D album every six years until I die. Yeah. And that uh, will happen whether or not there's an audience, even if it ends up just being <laughs> for ourselves. Right, because, for, the day, you know, for the day room at the home. At the end of the day, we enjoyed doing it. We enjoyed yeah, putting yeah, on a yeah. show for whoever's there, you know, if it's, uh, do your you know, boys, maybe. Do your boys care about show business at all? They do enjoy uh, partaking in different uh, movies and, and music that, uh, yeah, I'm not really uh, part of. They're not into anything that I'm in anymore because yeah, that's yeah. just not cool. No, it isn't. Um but uh, I love to watch the the things that they get obsessed with. And I'm like, oh, I actually know a couple things about some of those filmmakers. So it's fun <laughs> to still be able to share. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I saw that guy puke. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's a, yeah. Also, I'm going to probably make one more movie. Everything that I'm going to do is just the last one at yeah. this point. The future is just, uh, I'm going to do one more thing <laughs> uh, in each category. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to retiring into the retirement home because my fantasy is I'm just going to play video games all day because yeah. I never play as much video game. I don't, I don't hardly play video games at all anymore because I always feel like, who has time? I got to get all these things done. I do look forward to the time when oh, no, I don't have to get anything yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the I'm in the home, yeah. and I'm just playing Red Dead Redemption Part Seven. Maybe that's not going to happen, but uh, that's my fantasy. And I bet you there's going to be a lot more video games in the coming years as we come sure. to the generation, the video game generation. Right. You'll just Those... plug right into your neck, and then you won't even have a controller. <laughs> you just be laying like a puddle of sauce. You know, playing a video game in your mind. Well, you remember that movie that Robert De Niro and uh, 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 what was it? Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> Forget it. No, <laughs> uh, where they they had the uh, the old folks home and they only responded to when you played music that they enjoyed in their twenties. No, I don't, and that, I don't remember. Um, okay, that movie. forget it. Anyway, that's what I'm. Thank you, awakening. Matt, Matt, just put that in the chat. That's Thank gonna you, be Matt. what it's like for me. That I just I'm totally catatonic until you know, like they put on Dio. You put on Dio and uh, a screen with 
with asteroids, the video game. <laughs> and I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be reactivated. Uh, let me add it. Yeah. The future. Well, Who the hell knows about the future? I know, I know. Well, what about what have you learned? That's the third question. I just slid right. This is the that. hardest one. What have I learned? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about it last night. It doesn't have to be profound. I mean, Paget Brewster, one of hers was uh you can sharpen scissors by cutting tinfoil. Which oh, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, I didn't and it does know work. That. I tried it. I tried it. That's it a work. great thing. Yeah. That's a great thing. Um, I learned uh the mantra before uh, going on stage or going out in front of a, an audience. This is going to sound like bad advice. Always remember to pretend to have a good time. And then oftentimes that'll lead to good stuff when you're out there. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be having a good time. But if you can pretend to like be enjoying yourself, sometimes it'll lead to actually enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. That helps me to stay out of the vortex of terror. Yeah. That's a pretty good one, too. And I mean, it's a kind of a, you know, it's kind of a Norman Vincent Peale positive attitude, but it's, you know, it is true. It's, I remember, you know, I went, I, um, I was directing a television commercial for Illinois Lottery and they had, uh, and that I was in too, but they had a guy from the Blackhawks, uh, a, a hockey player, off to the side reading some copy for some B-roll kind of stuff uh, for the lottery. And they said, oh, they pulled me over because I was doing something else. And they're like, he's reading this copy. It was like an agency guy. And he goes like, he's really, it's just not very lifeful. It doesn't have a life to it. And I went and I listened to him read it once. And I said, smile while you say it. And he, and he because it was just going to be voiceover, like at the end of the commercials. And they were just doing it off on the side of the studio. And which is like something that, you know, I'd learned in doing voiceovers. But when you smile, it makes you sound a lot more upbeat. And he did it and and it sounded great, you know, and like it just like you put a big fake grin on your face when you're reading something. And it just makes it sound better. You know, it just makes it's it sound true. more upbeat. And and it's that's kind of like in a microcosm, like that's make it till you fake it. That's like, you know, that's like. Just put a smile, like smile while you say it. And just, and I mean, granted, yeah, I don't mean be a Pollyanna and, and let bad things happen, but I mean, you know, but like just kind of in your regular life, if you're feeling like it's a little flat, you know, smile while you say it. And then it that also isn't like the gross kind of like, come on, honey, put on a smile for me. You know, I don't know like that. You know, it just means like, <laughs> yeah, you can kind of fake it till you make it. You can kind of force a good feeling. Yeah. You know, like like out of just will. And maybe you don't, but it's better than just succumbing to the darkness, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And you only have to fake it for a second. And then yeah. all of a sudden it turns into real joy. Frequently. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, you give a lot of joy. I love you so much. I, uh, I mean, I've... Feelings mute. Just so much stuff that I see. Like when you... Uh, the stuff you put on Instagram... I mean, Instagram is Instagram. It's like, it's infuriating me to me most of the time. I just like sort of rage scroll Instagram most of the time. <laughs> um, but, but like you do so much fun stuff that is just pure fucking joy. And it's really such a service. And I'm so grateful oh, for your presence in the universe. 
And Dude. especially for your presence here, man. It's really great. Oh, my God. I mean, I, it was a no-brainer. When I got the call to be on your show, I was like, this is happening. As Good. soon as I get a window, I'm Thank going you. in. Thank because, you. Because, uh, yeah, from the beginning, I've always loved always loved your work and then always loved hanging with you over the years. We've had lots of times where we've crossed paths. Yeah. And uh, it was awesome to share this this day, this uh, this podcast with you. And feel free, dude, seriously, feel free. Cut out all the parts where I was boringly rambling too long. No, no. Trim it. We're going to cut out the interesting stuff. Just fully lipo yeah. out all. Yeah. It'll be me, me asking questions and you going, uh, da, da. Do it. Whatever <laughs> you feel awesome. is right. All right. Well, thank you, Jack. And thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week with another person. Not as good as Jack Black, though. You you say that to all the all the podcasters. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Your Wolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the three questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.